0: You put them all together and you ship back an automobile. And now we have this, we just imported a whole bunch of money worth of stuff from Canada after exporting to them a tiny amount. And yet that goes against our GDP. It's weird because it only measures stuff that takes place inside the borders of the country. Once more unto the breach, dear
1: friends. They'll spill the wall up with our English dead.
0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. And welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and
1: Jeff McClure. McClure. Yes, we
0: we make that sound very um, exciting because we're about to talk about the dismal science. We're going to get into great depth into the economy. And boy, is that exciting if you're not below the age of 30 um, <clears throat> particularly teenagers tend to find our voices uh, a cure for insomnia <clears throat> but really uh yes i mean economic drivel just doesn't compare to fill in the blank band taylor swift concert whatever mm. you know it's just TikTok, TikTok. A- tick tock that's yeah, we are not TikTok. those are those little breath mints right little, TikTok, mm-hmm. you ask somebody if they want a TikTok. That's
1: mm-hmm. yeah. obviously yeah. what it is. correct, I'm sure. Obviously. obviously.
0: Yeah. So this is the personal wealth coach. We are bald. We are bearded. We may not be up on the latest pop culture, though maybe we are. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, those are our first disclosures. Next disclosures. This is the personal wealth coach. Wait, I already said that. Well, I'm double disclosing. Uh huh. It's also the name of an SEC registered investment advisory firm. It's not coincidental. The people that started that firm are the people that started this radio program. It's us, these balded guys. Um, just because there's a firm that's registered with the SEC doesn't mean that the SEC believes that we are somehow anointed or in another, any other way uh, a glowing representation unless the sun is hitting our heads at a particularly right angle.
1: But we are registered with the SEC, which apparently some folks this week weren't who were trading securities.
0: Oh, well, that's interesting. Yes, yeah, so we'll talk more about that later. So, I yeah. mean, we're putting interesting news in the middle of our disclosures. How's that for weird yeah. Um Also, we're registered to give investment advice, but we can't do that on the radio. Can't do that in a podcast. Can't do that in any kind of broadcast. We have to give education here because the advice has to be given in the best interest of the client with some degree of privacy, all that good stuff. So really what we're here to do is try to educate you. We're going to befuddle the masses and possibly clarify one or two points as we muddy everything else. Uh, That is the nature of education. It leaves you knowing that you don't know as much as you thought you did. And uh, once you realize that you really don't know everything, you'll be considered, uh, or anything, you'll be considered an expert. This is the reality of the world that we live. The more you know, the more you realize you don't know. So our effort is to convince you all you know nothing. And ourselves, of course. Of course. So there is our goal for, for our day. Um, education rather than advice. Let's see. What else? Our um, Emails. Uh well we've got some more disclosures. We don't pay for this radio okay. program. Right. Um and they don't pay us. And they don't pay us. We do buy advertising on the pro- on the station for the program as do they. Although I don't think that they are paying their own market rates for their own advertisements. We are they paying market rates. Yes. Okay. And we may actually have a discount because the market rate hasn't changed for us in a long, long time. Um So, yes, as economists, we are effectively volunteering our time for several decades for no compensation, which doesn't make any sense at all. Except hopefully we've added some little tidbits of data that people have used to make themselves wealthier. And hopefully that's improved the entire economy enough for us to benefit in it some way. Um, You've got a disclosure that you want to share.
1: Yes. The information we present in this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the completeness or accuracy of said information or unsaid information.
0: The unsaid information, we do give warranty as to say it is incomplete and guarantee All unsaid information is incomplete unless written.
1: I don't think it's guaranteed.
0: That's all right. Well, I'm going to guarantee it. I'm, I'm, right. And if, if you find me to be incorrect on that, you can prove it in a court of law by proving a negative. It should be fun. <laughs> sure. We've had problems with GDP as a measurement tool since forever, since before we had a radio program. Um, the GDP is weird. It's just odd uh we used to use something called gnp gross national product which i think is a little bit more accurate but it's still got all kinds of wonkiness in it these are politically designed algorithms what does that mean well the government spending any government spending goes dollar for dollar toward the gdp the debt does not because it's not considered part of the growth of the economy it's just in the background so that's weird All right. If you are, uh, for instance, a corporation manufacturing something in Canada, you own the, the manufacturing plant in Canada, you own the parts manufacturing plants in the United States. There's a couple of really easy companies that do this. Ford, Ford Motor Company. They make their parts in the United States, they send the parts up to Canada to be manufactured into the Ford Flex or any number of other automobiles that are made up there, and then it's shipped back. No money changed hands there. The, the workers were paid, but it, they weren't paid the price of the parts of the automobile, nor were they paid the, the cost of the automobile when it was shipped back. Ford didn't sell it to anyone during that time period. They owned all the parts. They put them together to the final thing. They shipped it back to the United States and they sold it there. Who got the profits from that? Well, Ford did. But in our GDP, that's a negative balance of trade. We shipped up parts which are not listed in their retail cost. Otherwise, the, we would have a positive value of, balance of change because if you take all the parts of an automobile and you buy them at the dealership, you just bought three cars for buy price. That's not how it's priced when it's shipped across borders, though. It is, these are functionally less expensive than the automobile. You put them all together and you ship back an automobile. And now we have this, we just imported a whole bunch of money worth of stuff from Canada after exporting to them a tiny amount. And yet that goes against our GDP. It's weird because it only measures stuff that takes place inside the borders of the country. So if Microsoft is making a profit in Ireland... That doesn't go towards the United States GDP, even though Microsoft is by far majority owned by the United States citizens. Okay, next up, weirdness. When Microsoft sells software, is it exported? Easy answer, no. (laughs) When they sell software in Germany, this is not an export from the United States. Well, why not? They're selling a good. Well, because nothing, no physical item left. So we now have no export going to Germany for the office suite that they are paying in subscription format. So we have a negative balance of trade with Germany. Well, we sell them a huge amount of software, but that doesn't go against it. So there's lots of problem with the GDP. I could go on for probably another 45 minutes going into minuscule details about why we think it's silly, but we still use it. After having said all of that sadness about how it was designed and what it does, we still use it because it's consistent across a very long period of time. And when you have a consistent measurement, even if it's wrong, it's done the same way every time. You can still use that to gauge health. Right. There you go. The,
1: the big thing is the U.S. economy We'll use the GDP numbers that, not the, actually the PCE numbers, uh, GDP numbers, are 2.4%. The PCE, which is different, uh, that is the personal consumption
0: expenditures. So that's a different way of measuring like um, inflation and how much right. more we're spending versus not spending well, than we were
1: before. Actually, the, down deep in there, it says how much we're spending too, Right. which is up very nicely. Um, but we have a GDP that, rose faster than anybody that I know of was suspecting. Uh, Moody's, probably the most accurate and consistent economic forecasters that I've encountered, said 2.2%. It turned out to be 24 Everybody else was down in the ones, and some of them said it was going to come in negative. But uh, the, the backside of that is... That normally would cause the market to go down because there would be fear that the Fed will raise rates vigorously because the economy is growing too fast and people are spending too much money.
0: And the, uh, the Fed did raise it,
1: rates. Well, We still had the market go up. But they're afraid the Fed will raise rates a lot and put the country right. into a severe recession. Right. But the reality is, even as the market has surged up and down all week, it, it finally wound up, up 1.1%. The bottom line to it is that we have a seriously growing economy and I've said this before and I think it's important to recognize there are there's an economic experiment going on in the world today a big one China and Russia and some other places are using autocratic economics in other words whatever chairman z says is true whatever chairman z says to do they do some some countries
0: very, have flirted with it and then stepped back Turkey being one right uh,
1: because their economy blew up. Yeah. Um, but, but the, it's a, it's a, he talks about this a lot and the official news outlets talk about the chaos in the United States and how no one's in charge no one's in control. So we're going to fail. It's the decline of, of American power, the decline of the American democracy. Uh, the, the decline, the decline of the economy is all over their news. And that's the way it's said, but. The Chinese economy actually grew less in the second quarter than the U.S. economy. And that's the reason I brought that 5% that five that 5% growth real right, rate. Right, right. Because the way the Chinese calculate their GDP growth... It's different than the way we do. They leave out a lot of stuff that we put in, and, and they do it differently. And they have, uh, even by their wildly optimistic projections, they're saying around uh, 4%, 4-point-something percent. We... And it is astonishing to me. We're actually growing faster than their economy. Their economy has an excess of 20% of their people, uh, their younger citizens. Below the age of 26
0: and above the age of 16. This is generally a working population in China, and it is 20 plus percent unemployed.
1: Yeah. And the the chairman has mentioned it a couple of times as exhorting them to go out into the fields and pick rice or something, which since they have master's degrees and live in cities (laughs) is not likely to happen Uh, they are going back to live with their parents though who are retired and it's in europe uh the news this week was over and over again that the uh german economy and the french economy contracted they they shrunk in the second quarter um their inflation is, is well the british one did too uh and their inflation is significantly higher than ours and i've said this before but it's worth repeating i think people here politically Blame the uh, stimulus for inflation. They didn't have in- they didn't have stimulus checks sent out to people in Europe or in the United Kingdom, and they having worse inflation than we are. Um, far worse. The other thing is far worse, and they are now coasting down into a recession, uh, getting worse each quarter. Whereas we're concerned about the fact that we have too much growth. There are three major tests going on in the world on how to run economies, and ours. So far, uh, is running off and leaving everyone else's and ours is the most chaotic, the most uncoordinated, the least bureaucratic, the least regulated economy of the major economies of the world.
0: Even though, and, you know, people are going to hear that and say, wait a minute, I know about the bureaucrat. We have a horrible bureaucracy in the United States. It's everywhere. It's just not as bad as other people's.
1: Yeah, I start saying it's not everywhere, and I don't think it's horrible. But that's beside the point. We've well, it got, is.
0: It is horrible. You can't say bureaucracy is good. I, I'm just can't, I'm putting my foot I, down.
1: <laughs> I disagree with you. I think the Bureau of Labor Statistics and the Bureau You're of right. Economic Analysis are very efficient, very helpful, very well organized, and they help us tremendously. And by definition, everybody who works there is a bureaucrat.
0: That's true. And so and they're and all full you have of to bureaucracy. Do, all you have to do is go back and read about the Khanate, uh, the Genghis and Kublai, and you realize that they were really not that successful until they conquered big chunks of China and the bureaucrats joined them. Right. And then they figured out, oh, well, we can collect taxes. We don't have to burn everything down. Whoa, this is amazing.
1: I have been asked on many occasions why how I've managed to remain in business for 40 years and wind up with a relative, we have a relatively successful uh, investment advisory firm. Um, and I say again and again, uh, we may be doing the right things in many areas. And I think we are, but we have this wonderful staff who has specific jobs and are a mini bureaucracy of their own doing things by the book every time yeah. um, that has, that without them, we couldn't get anywhere. And so I'm not, as anti-bureaucrat as I used to be. Yeah.
0: I, I, I get upset when there's bureaucracy for bureaucracy's sake. But sometimes there are rules that need to be followed, like making right. sure that a client is actually the person that's requesting a withdrawal, you No, know, things like that. Well, what do you mean I need to verify who I am? This is just bureaucracy. Well, no, because if we gave your money to anybody that called, I bet you wouldn't be very happy. <laughs> so, yeah, yep. bureaucracy the has a place even though I put my foot down a minute ago. I still all right, there is a place for bureaucracy. Yeah.
1: So, the BLS as we I mentioned in passing announced that the Fed's preferred measure of what real inflation is doing, the personal consumption expenditures price index rose 3% in the last 12 months. A year ago, it was like 10% in the last in the previous 12 months. Yeah. It's it, we're moving along in the right direction. Um uh, the the actual underlying inflation rose between well it actually rose about on an annualized basis uh, about three and a half percent from month to month the so we've still got things going a little hotter than they need to go to keep everybody happy and the Fed is going to leave rates up I'm sure but. The point is the momentum at this point is that inflation is coming down. I, I think it's really important not for the Fed not to back off at this point and start lowering interest rates. Um, but eventually, they will lower interest rates some, and the I strongly suspect the longer-term bonds will continue creeping upward till we get back to something that looks more like a normal uh, inflation. Our normal treasury yield curve like we had in the late 1990s or thereabouts when short-term rates are going to run between two and three percent and long-term rates will be higher than that by definition. Uh, the The current long-term rates are, are unrealistically low. Uh, I know that sounds goofy, but they are unrealistically low. And one of the reasons they're low, this is just my opinion, is the Fed continues to sell long-term securities into the market. And when they sell off of their balance sheet, they have some longer-term treasuries. And when they sell them back into the market, that means the price of the treasuries go up because there's a lot of, anytime somebody is, is, no, I'm sorry, I got that backward, go down.
0: (laughs) It makes them go down.
1: Um, And the interest rates are remaining stable out there because of that. At some point, I think they will rise. I think we will see uh, what will people rise? demanding the longer-term interest rates.
0: Yeah, yeah, I
1: agree. Are today? I agree. Uh, which means it's contrary to many, many, many articles I've been reading by people who are quote experts end quote. Uh, long-term bond portfolios are not a bargain right now. There's a lot of people who are saying. Big things about them, but if you look very carefully, they generally have to do with organizations that sell bonds and they would love for you to buy. It's kind of like with the gold thing. Yeah. I want to talk about scams and Ponzi schemes for a minute. Okay. There's a headline in Think Advisor uh, magazine $35 million Ponzi scheme targeted church members, according to the SEC. Uh, there's another one where a company sold lots of bonds through bond salesmen. Matter of fact, that's what they did is they sold bonds, interest-bearing securities from a company. And they are tumbling into bankruptcy, so there's 28,000 bondholders who basically are going to be mostly out of money for what they did. And and they had invested there because of the sales pitch. Um, Yesterday, I got an email from a mutual fund company about a mid-cap mutual fund. They said it had four stars, it walks on water, just just this wonderful thing, and I ought to be looking at it and putting money into it. So I went to Morningstar. And Morningstar's analysis, they they have what we call medalist ratings. And it can be gold, silver, bronze, neutral, or negative. And it had a negative rating. So there's no danger of me using that. My point is, unless you are a super sophisticated person, and I doubt that we have super sophisticated investors uh, who are listening to this radio program today.
0: They changed the channel already long ago. Right. So, they like, so these you, guys again,
1: oh, they're bald. If you have a team of accountants and lawyers working for you that carefully investigate everything you invest in, then you are a sophisticated investor. If you don't, you're not. My rule that I've given to a lot of people is if you can't find it in Morningstar, you shouldn't invest in it if it's a security. Secondly, if Morningstar says this one is bad, it gives a negative reading or say bad things about it, probably shouldn't invest in it. I know that's probably oversimplistic. It's not the ideal way to run an investment portfolio, but it is far better than what most people are doing. It just about every day in the Wall Street Journal or in some financial services magazine that I get or something, there is the announcement that another. Sh- who $35 million has disappeared into a scam artist's pocket. And it's generally nice people. It's often people that you know from what's called an affiliated group. In other words, somebody who you go to church with or go to Sunday school with or do something, who told you you should get into this because it's really, really good. We tend to do that type of thing. We don't tend to investigate it because it's, we think it's too hard to investigate. It's not. Uh, and, and there's lots of places you can go to investigate things. But Probably the most consumer-friendly place you can go to examine your investments is Morningstar. They make a point of speaking and writing in terms that we can understand, that you can understand. Um, They cover a tremendous variety of security. And if they don't have really good things to say about it, you probably shouldn't be in it. And if they don't say anything about it, you absolutely should not be in it. Because uh, the fact is that if it is so unknown that Morningstar its thousands of securities, many thousands of securities, isn't covering in any way, pretty good chance you're in the wrong place. Now, there's a couple of exceptions to that. There are some types of mutual funds, for example, that are proxies. They're basically a copy of a regular mutual fund. They may be called a slightly different name and they're inside uh, insurance products or something like that over in your 401k. The issue there is to find who the manager is, find the company that's doing it, and then research the manager and the company. People generally don't do that, but I think it's a very bad idea. And a lot. I've over the years I've met quite a few people who have lost their retirement income. They've lost, they've lost it all or nearly all of it because they went with what somebody sold them on. Even if the somebody wasn't a salesperson, it was a friend of theirs who did really, really well in there. That's the story of Ponzi schemes every time. Just if if it ain't Morningstar and Morningstar doesn't have anything to good to say good about it, get away from it. And if it looks like you'll make a huge return because of inside information and you're exclusive. And the person who you're invested through has this secret that they don't want to tell anybody, run, don't walk to the nearest exit.
0: Yeah. And that's different from if you're in a group of people that is buying a car dealership, because then you can go to the car dealership. You can look at their books. If you are buying a car dealership and you've never bought a car dealership before and you've never run a car dealership before, you might want to do some research in advance a lot. So the same is true when you're buying an individual company and if somebody's got a secret and they don't want to tell you what the secret is, you probably shouldn't give them money because they may not know what the secret is either. In fact, it's really likely that they don't know what the secret is and they want you to think that there's a secret. The so, guy
1: the SEC just busted was promising and actually giving his early investors 18 to 48% a year gains.
0: Oh, that's really nice. I wish I could well, get that guaranteed.
1: <laughs> if, if, if you run across that situation run get your money out of there and get away quickly yeah there, it's not it's not possible
0: I, I mean you can you can make that you just can't know that you're going to make it in advance you just can't when you say hey i made 18% 2 years ago in the stock market well the stock market actually did better than 18% coming out of the pandemic downturn. It did phenomenally well. But there's no way you could have known that in advance. You couldn't be promising people that because reality doesn't work that way. Uh, You can't say, I'm going to make this and I know I'm going to make this. Why would they be selling you an interest in it? Why didn't they just buy it all themselves? Well, the answer is because their profits weren't really profits. They were taking money out of what you were giving them to pay the other people and act, making it look like that was growth. That's that's the classic Ponzi.
1: Um the beneficence which was the name of the bond company that has gone under and left yeah. twenty eight thousand investors holding the bag showed on its income statements.
0: I think it was beneficent. Making, it was a ben-
1: beneficent. Yeah, yeah. Beneficent. They showed on their income statement that they were making a lot of money on yeah. loans that they had made but the loans were in fact made to companies they owned. Yes,
0: this is what Enron did when it was still legal to do it before we realized, hey, you shouldn't do that. Well, now we know you shouldn't do that. You can't make a loan to yourself, pay yourself interest and call it profit. That's not profit. <laughs> you you can't do that.
1: Yeah. Anyway, it's it's a dangerous world out there and you need to keep stick to something simple that a reliable source can analyze
0: if you don't understand what you're investing in you need to ask a lot of questions until at least you understand it mostly uh i know that's difficult but it is your long-term financial well-being on the line and we're about out of time for this hour how is that for a quick segue with no uh no change if you would like if you would like to talk to us off the air We actually do exist in life off of the radio program. We don't just exist on the internet as podcasts. Uh, If you would like to talk to us about your wealth and like some coaching, that's what we do at the Personal Wealth Coach. I know it's kind of redundant to say that, but... uh, We do portfolio management. We do investment advice at a fiduciary level. And if you would like to talk to us off the air, we have voicemail waiting on the weekend. Real live people during the week locally at
1: 254-947-1111.
0: Or 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. That's toll-free if you have a landline. It's a little strange statement. Um, You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, where you can read our newsletter and sign up for it. You can listen to our radio program and podcast going back a long, long ways. Uh, You can see our famously made for radio faces. You can use the contact form or email us directly at jeff at tpwc.com or jake at tpwc.com.